Hello, Probers. Howdy, howdy. Welcome to But It Was Aliens. Oh, yeah. The extraterrestrial comedy podcast where two former MIBs break down real life alien cases to let you know whether or not they are actual factual. Actual factual. I like it. First half of this dynamic duo is myself and your host for this week's episode, Moonwalker. And I'm joined as always by the four foot two, grey bearded, latte loving scamp, Greybeard. You son of a bitch. I'm not going to rise to it because I'm already above it. What? Four foot? <laughs> Two. Yeah, when you start like this, it's only going to get worse, isn't it? You obviously had an episode here that you're going to get a little bit crazy on and you've been feeling all jolly as you've written your intro. Greybeard is sporting braids in his beard today. <laughs> what? Good move, Viking beard. What? <laughs> See? <laughs> Lunacy. In today's probe, we're going to look at the life of Denise Stoner, who, despite her name, has uh, a very sober account that we are going to experience. Uh, <laughs> oh dear, that's not, that is not the best of surnames to be given serious accounts now, is it? We begin today in Hartford, West Virginia. This account starts when Denise was but two and a half feet years old. She was staying with her grandfather at the time as her mother was in hospital giving birth to her little sister. Denise recalls looking out of the window and seeing a large egg outside. Grandpapa? (laughs) What is Humpty Dumpty outside? What? (laughs) The shit? Hold on. Do you know what? I was going to react to that. Well, I'm not going to. Grandpapa. No, 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 no. Not that. The Humpty Dumpty scene outside. A large egg outside. Mm -hmm. She's two and a half. This kid has got ridiculous memory. Two and a half. How the hell is she remembering that? Because she's two and a half. Do you remember things at two and a half? She asks, pointing towards the object... Her grandfather turns to look at what his granddaughter was babbling about. And to his shock and amazement... (laughs) Grandpapa! Sorry. (laughs) I'm just thinking, this is a very well-spoken two-and-a-half-year-old. Grandpapa! What's Humpty Dumpty outside? Grandpapa? Continue. To his shock and amazement, outside was a large egg-shaped ship. Denise's grandfather kept his cool, picked up his granddaughter and informed her that it was bedtime. He took her up to bed and as she lay there, a figure appeared in the room. They didn't just materialise and they didn't climb through the window. They also didn't use the door. This son of a bitch walked through the wall. It's a mib. The figure put his hand out for her to take and she did. She says that the figure was wearing a robe and looked like a monk. They were also holding a light. They walked into the hallway where the figure held aloft the light, pointing it towards the wall. When they did, they were able to walk through it, which took them to a large dome-shaped room. I feel like I'm tripping balls here. Go on. (laughs) Inside, there were plenty of other children present. Although she has no recollection of what, Stoner knows that they were learning something. The next thing she remembers, 
is waking up in bed the next day. I have so many thoughts and I don't know whether I'm going to be able to articulate them all because I feel like I'm going to forget all of them as soon as I start talking about one. But first up, remember Huggins. Back way back in episode one, I'm thinking about the Christmas present. Oh no. Way back. Way back. He was taken to an area of a craft with all of his children. Do you recall? I do recall. Has she gone to the same place? Are you suggesting she's the alien mother or are you suggesting she's one of the children? I'm not suggesting either. Or are you suggesting the same kind of thing happened and I'm she is a mother of the I'm suggesting that they finished with Huggins, they're taking their next experiment. She's going to be their new Huggins and they're going to befriend her for life. And she's going to start painting them. <laughs> so same species of aliens, um, grey looking things and insectoids, hopefully. Let's find out, shall we? I've got more thoughts. Okay. Let let me unload. (sighs) Right. (laughs) Granddad handled the fact there's a UFO outside pretty calmly, didn't he? He did, did old grandpapa. (laughs) Grandpapa? Why has Humpty Dumpty outside? Grandpapa looks outside, he sees an alien ship, and he's like, yeah. Seen it all before, ain't I? Time for bed. It's time for bed, dear. It came through the wall. Mm-hmm. Held aloft its magic lamp. Are we sure it wasn't a wand? By the power... It could have been. Is this a magician alien? It's like extraterrestrial Oberon. We're going right through the episodes now, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> Is Grandad going to go out for some hookers and beer? <laughs> hookers and beer, baby! Oh, what was that? Was it... Where was Bane? Shag Harbour, baby! Baby, That's the one, Shag Harbour. They're going to Shag Harbour. One more episode to call back to. Your birthday episode, Monk. Don't think it's the same person. Wearing a robe and looked like a monk. That sounds pretty much like the same person to me. It's Fred. Fred the Poltergeist, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone not included in those labels. Continue. Enough with the throwbacks. At a later stage in her life... Denise would undergo hypnotic regression therapy and investigation. This was carried out by Kathleen Marden. Do we know Kathleen Marden? So there's a picture of her there for you. Okay. She looks... I don't really have anything to poke fun at here. She's a pretty standard-looking lady with blonde, quite... Would you call that short or mid-length? Kind of down to the ear length. Hair. I'd say short. Yeah. Looks a bit like uh, Janine from Ghostbusters, but with (laughs) blonder hair. Although I said that's enough of a throwback, Kathleen Marden has appeared previously in another probe of ours. I was thinking, have we come across Kathy before? She is not only the founder of MUFON, she is also the niece of Betty Hill. Ah... We are going to look into some of the events that transpired during this time. Oh, Jesus. So it's summertime in 1982, August 13th to be exact. But before we begin, I would like to share something with you that was also possible in 1982. Possible? This was possible. Something that was possible in 82 that isn't possible now? Yep. Okay, shall I check this 
Yes, you should. <laughs> How far can he for a pigskin? Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh. Watch this. What are you doing? That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Oh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make a bet I can throw a football over the map. Look at that. That little. It's <laughs> not even that. It's the chuckle. It's not, it's, here it comes. When he sits down. Here. How much want to make a better control? Fucking hell. It's not that. It's, it's the way he reaches for the meat and he doesn't <laughs> grab the first time. <laughs> he grabs his arm. Uh, and then it's that walk he does down the steps before he throws. I wonder how much of that was improvised. Oh, oh fucking thing. <coughs> oh, I'm gonna cry. <sighs> <sighs> that did indeed happen in 82. You've just lost your whole episode here. <laughs> when you got here early on, you were laughing. Is this what you were laughing yeah. at? writing this I was still at work mm. and I watched this scene and for about 10 minutes I had tears streaming down my face everyone was fucking looking at me in the gym and I just couldn't stop laughing I had to go to the toilet because I was going to piss myself as well <laughs> it's so well, the funniest scene ever based a whole episode <laughs> around that We must oh. be like 10, 15 minutes in and all we've done is watch the scene from Napoleon Dynamite. <sighs> You're crying. <laughs> You're literally crying. <laughs> oh my. It's August 13th. Denise, her husband Ed and their daughter Deanna were on their way to their vacation location just outside of Denver, Colorado. <laughs> The plan was to meet Denise's parents and a family friend there. 
They left at 5pm with the trip expected to take them three and a half hours. To escape rush hour, Ed decided to take the back roads. An hour and a half into the trip, they arrived at Kenosha Pass. They pulled over and stretched their legs whilst taking in the beautiful views of South Park Valley below them. I'm going down to South Park, going to have myself time. You've stuck a photo of South Park in there. Brilliant work. Just for you. Well, yeah. for everyone. For me, mainly. They all got back in the car and headed off. As they headed towards Jefferson, with Deanna in the back asleep, Denise and Ed blissfully chatted away when Denise spotted two yellowish-white lights in the sky. As she stared at them, she realised that they were getting bigger and heading towards them. Before they knew it, those lights were directly over their car and was following it. Out of nowhere, like the Viper Randy Orton himself, Uh-oh. their car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to interrupt you here. Mr. Moonwalker, in the middle of... Well, in fact, not in the middle of his research now. It's right at the bottom of the page where he has written this section. There is a picture of Randy Orton creeping. Uh, I hope people know who Randy Orton is. Like a Viper. Yeah. Sorry. Their car suddenly moved sideways off the road and into the desert. Straight sideways? Sideways. Big, <laughs> steamy sideways. <laughs> right in the middle of the desert. <laughs> the stone... <laughs> the stoners had zero control at this point. It was as if the car was being dragged along by some invisible force. The whole time this was happening, the lights stayed above them. Was it an egg above them? You've got to stop calling them the stoners. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just picturing like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo sitting in the car. All right. So, uh, Denise, Ed and Deanna losing power of their car in South Park. Had themselves a time. Friendly faces everywhere. Humble folks. Without temptation? It's like I was in school there and that was a test. <laughs> you looked at me judgingly. Uh, I don't really have much to offer at this point. The car's been taken over. We need to see where this is going. Uh, I'd imagine that they're going to black out, come to, and years later going to get regression therapy and we'll find out. All of a sudden, they were no longer in the valley, but were driving towards Trout Creek Pass. It was no longer daytime either. It was 11pm. Last time, baby! Ed, being the quick-thinking mofo that he is, estimated that they'd travelled roughly 40 miles with no memory of the four hours that they had lost. Even crazier still is that the 40 miles they'd travelled hadn't been clocked by the odometer. So they'd been lifted. Lifted! I was thinking the same damn thing. (laughs) Damn lighthouse family. Your catchy, boring music. (laughs) An unsettling feeling stayed with them the rest of the journey. They arrived at 11.45, a good three hours and 15 minutes later than anticipated. Where were they going? I can't remember exactly. Was it like a family meal? Um, A family vacation, and they were meeting... They're late for their family. Denise's parents. I hope they get rinsed and ripped by their family. Not physically, emotionally. You're goddamn late. You don't care about us. 
No, no, Grandpapa! When they arrived, they were greeted by their family, yes. who had a sense of relief on oh, their face. That ain't relief, that's pain and they, anger. They explained to the stoners that they were contemplating <laughs> calling the police and filing a missing persons report. Due to the circumstances, the stoners told them everything that had happened. Well, they don't know anything. They've just lost four hours. How can they tell them everything? Like, guys, sorry, we lost four hours. That's going to get you in more trouble, surely. Well, they can tell them about the lights and stuff. Was it an egg? Only when she was two and a half. Grandpapa! <laughs> Uh, just, did the egg have arms and legs? I'm sorry, I know that was ages ago and I should probably be commenting on what's now happening at the family meal slash vacation, but I need to know more about Humpty Dumpty. I expect more of a two and a half year old than <laughs> to see an oval in the sky and think it's Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty's got a mouth, eyes, arms and legs. What if she was seeing the back of Humpty Dumpty Then he's he still got, sat on the wall? Still got arms, mother trucker. She wouldn't have seen that from the back. Humpty Dumpty might have been waving them. You don't know you weren't there. Especially if he fell. Denise was fully aware of this before she met with Marden. So the name is Marden? Kathleen Marden. Oh. <laughs> Continue. As she had been regressed before by Dr. Romack. Denise told Marden that during that Sorry, session, she spoke of a black hole theory but none of it made any sense to either her or Dr. Romack. Since then, Dr. Romack has passed away. We have no record of that session or what was said exactly. July 7th, 2011. Denise has her first session with Marden. Marden takes her back to August 13th and more details start to emerge. The light she first saw would seem to rotate slowly then she describes that they were attached to another object which appeared like two convex mirrors. Next, she was out of the car and in the valley beneath the plates. The lights had separated from the plates and had come down to the ground. Allegedly, truthfully, she was meant to go into the middle of the lights. Meant to? She also explains that she could sense someone there but was unable to see them. Shortly after stepping between the lights, a clear jelly-like substance, roughly the size of two Denise heads, <laughs> floated down towards her. And as she looked up, she witnessed a black obsidian hourglass-shaped opening. Does this explain the Oakville blobs? According to Denise, she knew she was meant to step into the jelly-like substance, but she was afraid to. But somehow she plucked up the courage to. As she did, she was sucked up into it. She says that she felt like she was breaking up, like she was shattering. Then a voice spoke to her, telling her she would be okay. She could see the opening of the ship and knew that it was too small for a human to pass through. She heard a shoof sound and then she was inside the craft. Interesting. Do you think she's not recollecting the full memory here? Because she, a few times, has been saying things like she knew that she was meant to step into the jelly or she was supposed to move into the middle or whatever you said, the middle of the lights. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a figure there beside her, but she's, it's too much for her to comprehend 
and so she can't quite remember it, but there's actually like this little insectoid jacking off beside her. <laughs> <coughs> Stand at this angle. Stand oh, yeah. In the light. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 Baby. A little Jiminy Cricket pervert. Did we ever give Jiminy Cricket a voice? This is No, freaking... but I don't think we should. <laughs> Why not, baby? <laughs> That's not the voice. Hey, Pinocchio. <laughs> Show me that wooden balls. Obviously, I've already predicted that she was, or they were abducted, and that's where the missing time went. I need to know more now. Like, she was inside the craft. Is she going to get a tour? Is she going to go to the baby room with all the Huggins? Give them some Huggins? Maybe they implanted something on her in her when she was two and a half, and we're about to get it pulled out. Are the aliens going to pull it out? Let's find out, shall we? Let's. Inside the craft, Denise was in a silver-coloured room. She could barely see, but there was some form of light coming from the walls. Also, she couldn't make out the source of it. As her eyes started to adjust, she noticed several greys, doing nothing but standing and looking straight ahead. Something triggered in her memories when she saw them. Here we go. That trigger was that she knew that these greys were soldiers. Okay, that's not what I was expecting. (laughs) As she looked closer, she recalls that they weren't grey, but more blue than grey. They were roughly under five foot and had large black eyes that seemed glazed slightly or misty. (laughs) They were blue, da-ba-dee-da-ba-dai, da-ba-da-da. A little house with a blue little window And everything went blue What a jam that was That was incredible I need to watch the video If you're wondering why I'm talking about that Obviously they're blue and Mr Moonwalker has stuck in a couple of pictures of Was it Eiffel 65? Mm -hmm. It is that isn't it, it's the video I mean what I've put in is two pictures of blue soldiers. Was that not from the Eiffel 65 video? Yeah, they were. Yeah. So this is what that song was based on. Continue. I wish the craft was blue. Maybe they have a blue little house with a blue little window back in their home planet. As she observed these soldiers, a larger figure approached her from a curve in the room. Insectoid. This being was different. It had large eyes and blinked horizontally. I got it put its head right in front of Denise's and informed her that they have to go in. We have to go in. Although he didn't speak as I'm speaking to you now, oh. it's as if it told her telepathically. <laughs> Denise didn't want to go. She wanted to go back to her car. She made this clear but this being was having none of it. Oh, no. It told her she couldn't go back until it had done what it wanted to do. Oh, no. Oh, no. Courtesy of UFO Insight and the alien abduction files, which this case is documented in, I have a recreation of this being for you, Grey Nuts. I'm not sure if I dare look, because I feel like it's about to get real proby up in here. Okay, let's check this out. What the frick is that? It's like a grasshopper mixed with um, one of the 
droid soldiers from the Star Wars prequels. Roger, roger. I thought more of an ant with the antennas removed. Yeah, that, I mean, an ant's head and a grasshopper's head aren't a million miles apart. That is true. You stick a roger, roger body on them and that's basically what you've got here. That's not really what I was expecting. That's kind of insectoid-like. I'm gonna watch. It was like, I want to get inside you. Mm. Dirty little shit. She needs to run for the greys. Wait, was this one of the greys? No. Because she said it was bigger. This, was this is of, Huggins. This, this is, is Huggins. The other creatures. Only the insectoids have got bigger <clears throat> since... I mean, they were little. They were young watching Huggins go at it with Crescent. So do you reckon this is the older version of them? They've evolved. Yes. Or in fact, they've stuck their heads onto droid bodies. They haven't evolved at all. They've just got more technology-based. They've advanced. Roger, roger. At this point, Marden stopped the regression therapy with the intention of picking up where they left off next time due to Denise becoming visibly anxious. I need to know what happens next. This next session wouldn't be until months later. October, in fact. This gap in time allowed Denise to remember other parts of the event, which she informed Marden of before they started their next session. Some of these details are that the car wasn't dragged sideways as initially thought, but lifted instead. She's not sure why, but her family didn't get out of the car, it was only her. And that the taller creature, although she was afraid, she could tell it was highly intelligent. Yeah, but highly intelligent doesn't mean you shouldn't be afraid, does it now? No. That means that probably sees you as a lesser creature and ain't afraid to mess with you for science. Just like what humans unfortunately do with other animals. For science! Yeah, this ain't gonna go well, is it? This really ain't gonna go well. They marked her as a two and a half year old and it's like a longitudinal study. So they've gone back Mm -hmm. to check her out again and see what's changed. And they need to go inside her. That concerns me because is this the first time they're going inside her? If not, that's absolutely horrific. If it is, that's still horrific, but... At least they didn't put her through that as a child. Still horrific. Don't really know where I'm going with that. (laughs) Just awful. That it's horrific. I just need to know whether he means he's going inside her in a sexual context or whether they're going to like drill into her arm to remove something they put in there earlier. I'm hoping for the latter. But if it's the former, are you going to put on some jazz? Denise follows the creature into another room. Uh oh. Inside, there were several more like this one. <coughs> the voice of the creature, which is described as mechanically male, roger, roger. instructs her to get on a table within the middle of the room for testing. She's very obedient. Denise complies. <laughs> <laughs> The creature tears away part of her trousers at the ankle. And places a wire on top of her foot. The wire is thin and Denise recalls that it stings as if it's inside a vein. Right, what the piss here? She's complying. 
Why do you need to tear the trousers? Why can't you ask her to take them off? Or just lift the leg. Why have you got to be so bloody crude about it? It is explained to her that the wire will be there for a while, but the stinging pain will shortly stop. It's also explained to her that the wire is there so that the ones on Earth will be able to recognise her easily. What? Next, something that felt like a piece of sand was inserted into her tear duct. Oh! She was told it will fall out in a few days. It was inserted using what looked like metal or stainless steel pincers. An instrument was then placed over her abdomen. When it passed over her ovaries, Denise started to experience a burning sensation. At this point, Denise questioned what all the tests were for, to which she was told, It was not for you to know. You are part of the whole. The whole? According to Denise, she was made to understand that she had been visited by this creature many, many times before. She also recalls seeing a holographic 3D image of Earth and other faraway planets, although she can't confirm which ones they are. Right. So they've put in, they've put something inside her foot so that they can track her on Earth. So there's other of these bastards stationed on Earth watching her. Slightly disturbing, but could be the CIA. Having something inserted in your tear duct... That sounds that's horrendous. Yeah, that's like having like a nail or a pin inserted underneath your fingernails. <laughs> like a yeah, it's a form of torture that's really horrid. I wouldn't recommend doing it to someone. Burning over the ovaries. So that makes me think like of the Matrix. They were putting that, you know, when he gets the uh earwig jellyfish yeah. looking thing inside his tummy that's tracking him and they put the thing over to suck it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are they actually taking her ovaries, her eggs? Who knows? Do we not find out? At this point... She's going to be the female Huggins. <laughs> going to have loads of alien children that have been made with her eggs. Stoner would have had a much longer opportunity to see the creature close up. She describes its body as being oddly jointed. Its skin and bones are described as looking arthritic. Its hands were small, but it had a thumb and three long fingers. It wore a long dark jacket and had its collar up. When I hear of more advanced alien species, I always expect them to have more than four digits and a thumb, like five or six digits, so you could be able to use technology, type better or whatever equipment they have. Yet people always give accounts of having like three fingers. That doesn't seem more evolved to me. Okay, you've Maybe they a... do much more with their mind. Oh, I can't think what he's called. Roger. Roger, Roger. Mr. Moonwalker has given me a picture of Roger, Roger. Is that family guy? American Dad. American Dad. You know I don't watch American Dad. <laughs> We've Neither had a do discussion I. like two I or three I just know times. that he's in the show. Uh... But yeah, I have seen him. He's wearing a black jacket and nothing else. (laughs) He is a nudie doodie. And what, sorry? What's his collar like? His collar is up. And how many fingers and thumbs? He has three fingers and an opposable thumb. Did she see See Roger? Roger? (laughs) 
What's unusual about this creature compared to most that we've covered before is that this one had yellow eyes. Demon. With a black center. And stranger still, it had lines running through them. Whenever the creature touched Denise, she said that its skin felt rough and bumpy. It was ribbed. The creature itself had a green tint to it. It was ribbed. They've evolved for her pleasure. Eww. We've got ribbed dick alien <laughs> with three fingers. Doesn't want to push too far, does he? Gentle. And a thumb for the... November 4th, 2011. Denise had a third session. This time she is taken to a room which had a being in it with its own atmosphere. This room is nearly in complete darkness. Romantic. There is a pole going from the floor to the ceiling, located in the middle of the room. It has some sort of mechanical device around it, which has two arms either side. This device is alive. It's a living organism which can think, and it's this being that operates the craft. So, is it AI with its own thoughts? So it's alive in that sense? Or is this literally organic, some sort of weird species that's evolved into part human, not part human, part organic creature, part machine? It's a living organism. So what they've done is they've taken the head of a grasshopper and they've stuck it on <laughs> a droid. Hold on, that's Bane. <laughs> oh, no. There's a lot going on and I'm struggling to keep up, to be honest. How many of these sessions is there going to be? Okay, I'm, I'm just moving on to the... <laughs> SpongeBob. You've given me... An illustration of Spongebob <laughs> pole dancing. I didn't need to see that. He looks so happy and innocent. Yet he's grinding his sponge balls on a pole. Is the organism controlling the ship? No, it's not. <laughs> Spongebob can't control the ship in this story. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just, I'm losing track. Denise was told... That you this- haven't explained Humpty Dumpty <laughs> yet. <laughs> Denise was told that this being is able to shield itself from anything that flying through space could throw at it. It was also mentioned that this being, which seems to be part living being, part machine, had only recently been developed, and it was this being that brought the aliens to us. As they left the room, Denise describes the sensation as if she'd just left something that had been pressurised. Like when you are on an aeroplane and your ears pop. So she's been up in space, one would assume, or certainly flying through the atmosphere at speed. Or underwater. Have we ruled that out yet? At, you say at speed. At high speed. <laughs> high, high altitude and swift, swift speed. Hundreds of thousands of... Nautical miles per hour. Bitch. Using my own (laughs) tricks on me. How dare you, sir. How dare you. This is the part of the episode where we would normally turn to what I like to call... What? K 
Kev's a miserable dick. <laughs> How is it? Also like known. The story's still going. Also known as science and skepticism. But Greybeard has every right to be a miserable dick. Because there is much, much more to this case. So this probers is a two parter. Oh, I knew it. Two parter, baby. There was. We're just in the middle, clearly in the middle. This was not an ending. I need closure on this case. Join us next week as we pick up our probes again and delve deep, 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 deep. into the case of the stoners. I thought you were going to say deep, deep, deep undercover. I have been Moonwalker. He has been Greybeard. And this is But It Was Aliens. Hashtag Yeah. Oh.